You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from self-doubt. Now, y'all know there's no shame in my game, and life has been lifing lately. Trying to manage the priorities of being a wife, mom, friend, and full-time entrepreneur, it can get overwhelming. If this sounds like you, then BetterHelp wants to help you today. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Talk to a therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There are over 20,000 therapists in BetterHelp's network, which gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. How cool is that? Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. You can also request a new therapist anytime at no additional charge. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced therapist from BetterHelp. There's a special offer to the Slaying Self-Doubt podcast listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash slang. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash slang, S-L-A-Y-I-N-G. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. You're listening to the Slaying Self-Doubt Podcast with Coach Felicia, where we empower Black women to overcome their doubts, fears, and insecurities in order to give birth to their God-given purpose. Join me and sometimes some of my friends on our journey as we remind you that you are not alone. I'm Felicia Wallace, and together we will find our fears and slay them. Hey Slayers, welcome back to another episode of the Slaying Self-Doubt Podcast. I am here with Jet Stubbs, the career and business coach from the Happy Career Formula. Hey Jet, how are you? I'm doing well, Felicia. How are you? I am doing great, y'all. I just have to point out again before we get into this conversation, okay? Your girl is talking to Jet, and Jet is in uh, Toronto, Canada, y'all. Like we are, this is when we talk about being international and we are outside the realms of just the DMV area. This is, it's real life happening. Like I am, these are the moments where I just be like, God just keeps showing up. So I'm just, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, But welcome to the show. Welcome to um, Slay Nation. We're, 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 figuring out a wordage and uh what to call the people right we got slayers right you know people have their tribe they have their so trying to I'm, I'm messing around with it so if it sounds like i'm i'm unsure it's because I'm, nothing is stuck yet <laughs> for <Okay. me. laughs> so um can you introduce yourself to the slayers tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started yeah, so I'm Jet Stiles. I'm a career and business coach and how i got started is I, when I graduated from university, I had 90 days to find a job or leave the country. It Wait was a minute. Was... Hold on. Why you got to leave the country, though? Because I was an international student. I'm not uh, from Canada. Oh, yeah. okay. There's the there. there. OK. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm from the Bahamas. Oh. And I, yeah. So I also live part time in the Bahamas. So oh, uh, we real international. We yes. real. <laughs> okay okay (laughs) yeah so I had 90 days to uh, build a career business or leave the country I had to pay off tuition debt and I needed a job to pay off tuition debt but I needed to get a letter from the university which required me to pay off the tuition debt to which meant I needed a job to convince you do you see the cycle yeah (laughs) how how sway right like how tell me how I'm supposed to do that if I can't do the other thing like child okay (laughs) I was 21. It was the middle of 2011 recession. I 
I didn't know how to sell myself. I sent out over a hundred job applications and I thought that I did what I was supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. hard work, education, experience. So many women of color now are going and getting those degrees, racking up those degrees yeah. and then waiting for it to translate into that opportunity, that success. But I was devastated. I got zero responses. Mm. Nobody responded to me. It was just crickets, like crickets. And when you're feeling that pressure, you know, you want to go and you create a new opportunity for yourself. You want to expand. You want to create financial independence. Mm-hmm. I, when I first started, I had $500 and my monthly rent was 450. I did not know where the next amount of money was coming from. I had wow. to like everything I was doing was like walking and using the resources that was, that were avail- available to me for free, going to food banks, mm-hmm. um, I had to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. And w- what I realized was you can have all of the skills in the world, but if you don't know how to sell yourself effectively, mm-hmm. you won't go anywhere quickly. Yeah. So I went from that 0% response rate to a hundred applications to getting a 70% response rate to 10 applications. So That's for every dope. 10 applications I sent out, I got seven interviews, but that was this huge process of like learning how to sell myself, learning how to talk about myself. And as women of color, as people of color, we often, we're not told historically, we've been told our work is not valued, Mm, right? mm -hmm. So how do you then shift to talking about yourself in a way where you are honoring your value, charging what you're worth, especially if you're just starting out and you feel like, oh, I'm this entry level person. Who am I to do this? Who am I to ask for money? Who am I to ask to enter this workplace? I should ask for a minimum wage job. I, I didn't want... I didn't want that. If you're living in alone, if you're living alone in a country, you're terrified of a dead end job. You're terrified mm-hmm. of not being able to afford to go and visit your family. So many people spend years, if not decades, unable to visit home when they immigrate to a new country just because they cannot afford the trip. Yeah, back. that's so true. So how do you avoid that? How do you learn how to sell yourself effectively so that you can create this opportunity? Because what I wrote down was, I don't want just any job. I want a happy career. Mm. And I built out this seven step process that was really just saying, okay, this is the goal that I want. How do I get there? Because what I was really frustrated by was when you go online, when you go to all the free resources and workshops, they're telling you all these different conflicting advice on how to sell yourself. And they're like, a resume should look like this, or it yes. should look like that. Or you should consider this one path to be an entrepreneur. Like mm-hmm. right now, there's all of the things are like, you should sell an online course, or yes. you should go and do, like, <laughs> you just give this one narrow path to making money. Yeah. Like that's the only pathway. And I'm going to show you this one pathway. And I wanted a career with options. Mm. And so that's what really got me frustrated. That's, what was my biggest obstacle. So after I got those amazing responses, got seven interviews, landed the job that I wanted in the city that I wanted because I had created a formula that I'm going to talk to you about a bit later. Um, My next biggest obstacle was my first supervisor was racist. She Mm. used to make a buzzer noise anytime I said something that sounded like I was from a foreign country. Even if I was doing a presentation in front of like 50 people, she would stop me and be like that, that that's not pronounced correctly. Say it again, say it again, say it again until you say it correctly. And I was from a foreign country. (laughs) There were a lot of words. I mean, what is, you know what? Nothing surprises me these days, right? Like the instance of, you know, okay, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff, because I have so many things that I can say just around that, but you know, the glow up is real. So let's just, let's, let's keep going. We ain't even going to give her no more air time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so after that, um, about 18 months into the job, Um, I was living alone in Toronto. I'd moved from where I went to university, which is about two hours outside of Toronto to the downtown area. Mm -hmm. And I, about 18 months into this job, I, I was stressed out. I was living alone. I didn't have any family in the country. None of my friends were living in the city. I was pretty isolated. I was Mm. trying to build networks, but I was working long hours with this this, and it exhausts you, right? It depresses you. And then my mom gets attacked in a robbery and stabbed 17 times. And thankfully she lives, but she's living back in. Right. Yeah. You said you're, she, she's not home. You're away from yeah. home. Like you said. Yeah. Mm. And I go back, I go back um, to help and take care of her for a while. 
But at the same time, I'm getting negotiating promotions at work. I was doing really well in my job. Yeah. And I decided to file an HR complaint against my initial like supervisor. And I start getting promotions to the point where the president of the company I'm working at needs to sign off on the bonus checks every other month. What? So okay. I'm getting yeah. Yeah. Because I'm doing... saying the glow up is real. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I start indirectly leading a team of four people. I was 22 at the time. People who were considered young within this company were 25 to 30. Here I was mm. 22 leading people. What that meant was every time I walked into a room, people were questioning why I was there. Yeah. You know, look the part. And I, for me, that meant like I internalized that, oh, maybe I'm not dressing appropriately. I'm not the one to like really dress professional. I'm not one to wear a lot of makeup, wear yeah. like, all the things. Right. Yeah. So I keep it pretty low key. So I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I need to go and get more work, better work clothes. I go and get better work clothes. I'm still not dressing professionally. People are still questioning me. I remember one time I walked into a meeting, a partnerships meeting for the company. And the partner said, you cannot be the right person to meet with. I need you to go and get your boss. And I said, no, 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 I am the right person. And he, he was like, no, that's, that's just not possible. And he refused to have the conversation with me. So I went and very nervously asked my very, very busy boss to come into the meeting. And she sat down and she, I I told her what had happened and she sat down with me and asked him questions, said, okay, what do you need to know? He asked all of his questions to her. She repeated the question to me. And about three minutes in, she said, do you see the pattern that's happening here? I do not have the answers to your question. Yeah. Either you ask her or you don't work with us. And it's great to have that level of support. Yeah. But it's toxic and draining to need that level of support. Yeah. Listen, in the workplace. As you're already talking, so as you're telling your story, I'm like, I can see where all of the self-doubt would be showing up, right? And so I'm like, we ain't even got to that question, but I'm like, let's before we even get any deeper, like <laughs> that is the question I'm going to ask you. I'm sure that that, you know, even like you said, the the racist remarks and the, you know, getting promotions, knowing that you were still, my air quotes, the youngest, you know, there, like how had, how has self-doubt showed up in your journey starting there until, you know, like now? Initially, I had I started with self-doubt when I was trying to make it on my own in this new country, right? I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm here. I'm trying to do this. I want to build a career. I had all of these ambitions. I go into the interviews. I killed it. When I got the job that I finally landed, I was one out of 132 online applicants. Wow. So I, I then was shortlisted to the top four, and then I sold myself to be the number one applicant in the interview, which took a lot of confidence. I prepped and I I made sure I nailed that interview. I looked through all of the conflicting advice online about how to sell yourself. And I found the common threads and I said, okay, this is what's going to work to help me sell myself effectively and land a job that pays more money than I thought I could initially make, Mm -hmm. which worked out. But when you then have somebody you're coming in to do that job on a daily basis and somebody is breaking you down on they're correcting every word you're walking into every meeting and people are questioning should you be there you have to prove yourself yes and it's not even an indirect thing it's a very direct question Mm -hmm. that's being asked of why are you here and how are you capable i have to prove my resume every time i walk into Mm. a room that none of my colleagues have to do. And then hmm. when I talk to them about it, cause I'm the, you know, I'm, I was often the only uh, person under the age of 30 yeah. the only person of color, mm-hmm. the, so depending on the department or when I, where I was in my career, I was often the only woman, the only immigrant. I was the only, I was mm. the token for all the things. <laughs> And <laughs> for every everything, whatever, whatever it is I'm supposed to be today, I'm the yes, I that's me. Yeah, right here. <laughs> so it definitely creeps on you. And so I went from being very confident in talking about myself and selling my skills to my voice cracking. Mm. And I wanted to then sell myself again for my next job. And it was a very I had internalized the way I was being viewed on a daily basis. And I saw that, but I didn't know how to fix the fact that I was internalizing. Yeah. Which 
again, very exhausting. You feel yourself trembling. You know it's creating a blockage for you, but you yeah. don't know how to fix it. I I tried going to therapy. It took a while for me to find the right therapist. One of my I, initial therapists, I remember, uh, it was like two weeks after my mom had been stabbed and she was asking me, uh, she said, you know, you're getting all these amazing promotions at work, You, but you're also dealing with this trauma around your mom. Um, how about you just... I can't remember the phrase. It's like either sit on the toilet or get up, either piss or get up. Yeah. Something like that. She, uh-huh. she was like, you should just tell your mom, like she either needs to give you space and move on. I'm like, Did, what? Did this- like, <laughs> like, the lack of cultural awareness and like just the lack of like, how can you like how? Yeah. Tell- <laughs> what you want me? So the, the person who almost had a near death experience, you want and, and birthed me the same person. You want me to tell them like, piss or get off the pot that's what you want me to like that's the to phrase, make yes. so that yeah so that you so that i that, that doesn't even like you said doesn't even make it but it's also the insensitivity of it all right and what i wanted to speak to is that this is um a prime example that like you know when we talk about self-doubt a lot of times even though it is self i always say that it doesn't necessarily start with you right it's someone else is planting the seed we don't know where the seed gets planted sometimes it's in your childhood right but then there's lots of people who go through like you said i started this very confident i did the work i did the research and then the work and the research i did proved to, proved to be true because i did get the job one out of 132 like that's not by chance like I work to get that so yes I'm confidently going in it but then when you have other people doubting you doubting your worth doubting your credentials doubting your capabilities whether or not you're qualified whether or not you're equipped to be able to do something that they probably can't do but they just want someone else who doesn't look like you in the position then it creates this whole conversation that you were never even having you know what I'm saying it's like how, how did I get here? And then you're so distraught as you're saying, like now you're internalizing it. They done gone about their life and they, they about their business, but now you're stuck with like the bricks that they put in your book bag that you didn't even ask like how, well, how am I carrying? Like you just gave this to me. Like what, what, what is happening? So what are some practical tips that you did in that journey of like having to unload those bricks that didn't even belong to you? Did you hear that ad at the beginning of the show? If you're a business owner looking to expand your reach, you can promote your company or product with a host read pre-row or mid-row ad by me on the Slang Self-Doubt Podcast. If you want more information, email info at FeliciaWallace.com. That's info at FeliciaWallace.com. Now, back to the show. You know, first I want to say yes to everything that you said. <laughs> that, is, that, that was spot on. Like I can tell you, I was tossing and turning at night after that man who refused to meet with me. Like I was tossing and turning for about two weeks mm. until one, at, like at two a.m. in the morning, I just had this revelation. Just sat with me that he wasn't questioning me so much as he was looking at me and thinking I was like. 10 to 15 years younger than he was I was an immigrant and a female and here I was further along in my career Hmm. than he was yeah and that look of like looking down on me that I initially the way that's the way I initially interpreted it and then I I really thought about the look on his face and I was like he was there questioning his entire life yeah, was your question. <laughs> this ain't even have nothing to do with me. He was wondering, now how am I still the assistant of the assistant of the assistant? <laughs> exactly. There's no way I've been working this hard in mine, and you, the person, like you, 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 the person that could be probably when, and I've been the youngest, I've been the woman, I've been the only right you know in in the same place in a leadership position and people are looking at you like now how you get here right and and to be able to think when we're thinking about leadership positions in any uh in any field nine times out of ten you're thinking about an older white man right like that's just it, it by like by nature when you're thinking of 
like now it's starting to become like, okay, you can see people of color and you see, but most of the time it's a man. If you see a woman, it's kind of like, oh, well, she's probably doing this because, or they had, you know, somebody because like, it's always a reason behind it. But when you're sitting in these spaces and you're like, no, I actually know what I'm talking about. Then you're right. They're questioning themselves. Like, now what have I been doing <laughs> for the last 30 years? <laughs> Absolutely. So there were all of these things that I was taking on that were really other people's problems, mm-hmm. right? There were other people's problems, other people's biases, other people's worldviews, and they were trying to project them on me. But the issue was I was in a workspace where I was constantly being bombarded by them. Yeah. So I needed to change where I was working. Mm-hmm. And initially, I'll be honest, I didn't go back because I was I was nervous. I was afraid. My nervous system, adrenal system was out of whack. I was stress vomiting. Ooh. I remember one day I I walked into a meeting. I walked into a sorry, lunchroom with a, a group of coworkers. And I eventually I just started crying. I was like, does anybody else think there just has to be a little bit more to life than this? Like we cannot it, a little bit more happiness a little bit less toxic work people a little bit just a little bit more than what we're dealing with right now yeah and then people just nodded like it it was this this realization that one i'm not limited to my current situation Uh two a lot of what i'm taking on are other people's projections of me because Uh society has a historically you know beating people of color down literally metaphorically mentally in all of the ways and I was moving from a predominantly black society to a predominantly white society whereas I where I was experiencing that in new ways where it wasn't we were the majority yeah and I had I was shifting I remember the first time I heard somebody call me a visible minority it was I hadn't really I wasn't really familiar with the term. And mm. I just thought to myself, like, what do you mean? What does this mean? Vis- does this mean you look at me and you can tell I'm different? And then I'm then less, but the, I'm a majority. There are more, more people of color in the world than white people. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like the word, the term just didn't compute. Yeah. And so now as I was, you know, I graduated, I was processing, I was experiencing what people were talking about. I was experiencing Mm. that daily bombardment of you are less than you should be questioned. And I saw how that could affect your psyche. Yeah. I said, okay, let me, let me pave a new career path for myself. Interestingly enough, I ended up in a very white male dominated space of aerospace engineering. Oh, and (laughs) yeah. And I had an amazing boss. He he was blonde hair, blue eyed. Well, he was back in the day, blonde hair, blue eyed. He was gray haired now at this point. And he, but he was very supportive. He was also familiar with the, the Bahamas and the cultures mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. He traveled there a lot. And it, it was a very welcoming environment mm-hmm. for my like adrenal system to calm down. For yeah. Me to to go to therapy and have some work-life balance. And I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to create a challenging and interesting life outside of work and have a a boring day job. And then I realized, oh, wait, after a couple of months of doing that, I was like, no, 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 I need, I need it all. I need to have the challenging work environment. I need to have challenging in a positive way, not in that way I was dealing with before. Right, right, right. I needed to do work that aligned with who I am as a person. I wanted to be able to have more control over my income and benefits. I wanted to be able to be proud of what I do, meaningful work that I was excited to talk about and Mm -hmm. share. And so I could stop dreading Mondays and like looking, I could start looking forward to the week, but I needed to know what that looked like. So I went back to the tools I used when I had 90 days to find a job or leave the country. Mm -hmm. And I combined three of three things, the desires for what I want out of life, the skills I have and market demand. So what are people willing to pay for? Yeah. And in the sweet spot of those three things is what I call your happy career. And initially you'll have no idea what you want to do, but you really need to build out a career that combines 
your life goals yeah. with the skills and market demand. Cause you're so many people ignore their life goals and then they're so confused as to why they're in a career that they don't love, but how are you supposed to build out that job or business that helps you achieve what you want out of life? If you don't know what you want out of life, yeah. then you're just going to go to somebody and say, pay me whatever you can um, and tell me what to do. And I'll do it for you. And you tell me what hours to be there. You're not yeah. negotiating. Yeah. And that's also, I. oh my gosh, so many things, I, so many things, but I'm just going to say this. Um, but that's also why most people are unhappy in their jobs because they're not, it's, there's no purpose behind it. There's no joy behind it. There's no, um, there, there's no them, right? You're literally, you're, you're what you're, walking through and what you're doing is for someone else it's someone else's idea of their happy thing it's someone else's idea of their job which is the reason why when we go into those things when we don't feel connected they you know I used to be like you want uh what do you, you know employee morale and all of that stuff get it great you know you need to be able to have that but if my mission isn't your mission and what I want to do for my life doesn't align with that then it doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter what it's, it's never going to be right. You know what I'm saying? Like when I transitioned out of my nine to five, like I love my job. I love the people that I work with. I enjoy what I did. You know, it was great, but I knew that something was missing. Like I knew that what it was didn't bring me joy every single day. Like I was good. I would be content. What I did know is that I started this leadership career at 27 and I was like, yeah, nah, bro, I can't be here at 50. This is not going to work for me. Like, but I knew I didn't want to go up. Right. Like I was like, I'm not trying to go up in leadership. I don't want to be a director AVP. I don't want to do any of that. Like I was like, I'm good right here, but this isn't enough to your point. Like something is missing from me. And so when I started to seek out stuff, it was more of like uh, serving in other areas. Right. And doing different things and you volunteer and do stuff like that. And some, that's where you you find the fulfillment, the thing that is like what's your purpose and then like you say if you combine them then once you know god was like okay this is what we're going to do and now i'm in this place where i'm like hold up time out so you mean i can do this every day and not hate waking up and still get to i'm like the amount of impact that i have doing this right now is far beyond what i've done in the 15 years that i was somewhere or the you know the like what i've done been able to do before because when I'm happier, my family's happier, right? And I'm able to do more things. And I I, I, I definitely, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. And that people need to be able to think past the thought process of like a, a job or a career, right? Like it just has to be this one thing. Like, no, it we can do both. What is that meme that's going around? Capital B, capital O, capital A, capital F, both of them, like both. We, you can do both. Okay. <laughs> um. So throughout this journey, what have you learned about yourself that you didn't know before? Uh, before, before I ask that question, there's one thing that uh, there's, there's three traps that I often help people avoid that totally align with what you said. Um, one is the unhappy professional when you don't connect your mm -hmm. career with your your life goals and what you want out of life mm -hmm. and the second one is the starving artist when you when you think you know you've got you've got to starve to do what you love to do you can't make money you can't work less hours yes. and make more money because you're not tying it to market demand but you mm. you can just you can tie it to market demand and then the third one is the dreamer when you're lacking those skills to connect what you want out of life to market demand to make the money um, so that you can fulfill your life goals. But back to your question, what I learned about myself along the way was um, I had a lot more potential than I was allowing myself to tap into. I had started mm. to internalize those beliefs of what people thought about me. And what happened was I got invited into this like leadership cohort within the company that was like, you had to be chosen and selected. And, you know, I was one, again, one of the youngest people to join this cohort. And 
I got, I started it with the whole point was to show you the big scope of the company. And then I got this big scope of the company. I just realized I don't want to be here. <laughs> I do not want to be here. Mm -mm, this is not for me. <laughs> this, is, this ain't it. <laughs> Wait a minute. This will happen when it. we get up here? No. Nah. <laughs> I was like, nope, this is not it. Because I just, I, I never went into like a really corporate work environment because I knew I'm not built for corporate America. I am not. I am, I'm not somebody who likes to wear the, the suit. Yes. I don't like to put on that facade sure. of the yeah. professional. I don't like to wear the layers of makeup or mm -hmm. the, like do the thing or have my hair and whatever is considered professional. My hair is frizzy and curly and that is just how it is. Yeah. And yeah. I don't need people telling me I need to make it look whiter or whatever yeah. it is. Right. And I, I finally just decided that I am going to craft a, a career that aligns with me and who I am because that work environment I was in was only going to further send me down a path where it, I was going to get in more and more predominantly white spaces, more yep. and more male dominated spaces. And as, as I continue to be the youngest the only whatever 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 mm -hmm. i will always be questioned yeah and yes i wanted to i remember talking to a woman who had disabilities she was a white woman with disabilities and we were chatting about workspaces and she just was talking about disclosure and how difficult it was for her to disclose and she said you know i have over the last two years of working in a corporate environment, developed a whole new appreciation for people who fought for freedom, who were, were paving the way and, and who were dealing with people who were looking in your face and saying that you were less than on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. And while I have all while I have developed that appreciation, I do not want to go into work feeling like I'm Rosa Parks every day. Yeah. And I say that with the most love. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I don't want to be your martyr. I'm good. Like, I'm yes. I'm fine. I don't need to be the the token struggle queen. I don't need to be the person who's out here fighting. No, I just let me do what I need to do. And if I do choose to be that person, right, you know, like I want to do it on my terms, right? I want to do it in my in my way. Like that's how I look at slaying self-doubt, like slaying self-doubt. Yeah, I, I will be the martyr for slaying self-doubt, right? And I'll be like, no, I want every black woman to be able to show up as themselves to your point when you were saying like having that, you know, that total code switch where you have to like, okay, I got to be me, you know, before I cut my hair, um, you know, my slayers know I had locks and so I had them for like 18 years and so throughout my um journey and leadership like it was always like oh what color do I get you know and I'm like I like color I like my hair a certain type of way but it was always like I'm already the youngest I'm already you know the the probably even if I though I am the youngest I already bring my own little like swag to the situation because I same I'm not I'm not, you're not going to get me in a suit it's not happening not going to do it not going to happen nothing you know that's not happening so it's like it was already I don't want to stand out anymore like to your point like I don't want to be like oh okay like I remember the first time I wore my hair red and it was a accidental color I didn't mean to get it as red but I came in there looking like Elmo and my AVP at the time like she looked me up and down like the lady from um, Devil Wears Parada and was just like, yes. interesting. <laughs> and I was just like, about to lose my job. And nobody should feel that way, right? You shouldn't feel that if my hair is a certain color and, and only reason I would feel that way is because I'm a black woman, right? Because I saw the white woman come in with purple and pink hair and ain't nobody say nothing right but because i'm a Absolutely. black woman i have to be mindful of how i show up so that you're not looking at the outside of me right you 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 know i can't wear the same dress because if i y'all showing up with body cons and cardigans and you're saying it's business not me not with all these extra uh legs hips and body like it's not it's that those things are happening i have to be more conscious of the way i show up so to be able to be in my own space where i'm like my hair is going to like literally the first thing I did when I left my job is I dyed my hair purple. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. It's true. Like as soon as I left, my, I, there came a point in my career where I just stopped trying to be professional. I was like, no matter what I wear, I'm very curvy. So like Same here, I've got sis. like double Mm-hmm. F breath, double F breast, <laughs> cup size breasts, and like um, just wide hips. And I remember at one point somebody told me like, I know you're well endowed, but I don't need to see it in the workplace. And I was like, what What am am I I supposed supposed to to do do? about this? <laughs> <laughs> What am I supposed to do? Please, please explain to me. oh Would you my like me to gosh. like wrap it down? Like it's, it just, it was such a toxic work environment. So anyway, I decided to leave Yeah. and I had a very supportive, well, I got to a place where I was super depressed. Like I, at one point I did not show up for work for three days and I knew that was like the cutoff point Yeah. where they would let you go. And again, I said, I had a super supportive boss and he sat me down. He's like, what's wrong? And I told him all the things that were going on. At this point, my dad had been diagnosed with dementia. I was about 25 years old to about four years into my career. I was actually about 24 when he was diagnosed. And that meant that I was now splitting my time or at least my mental energy between countries trying to care give because my mother had already had a history of mental health issues. Right. And now my dad was diagnosed with dementia. There weren't a lot of people to go and give support. Um, And I now was trying to figure out how do I design this career that will allow me to actually help my family and not feel like I was giving up everything to Mm. build a life that I wasn't even enjoying in a new country. Yeah, yeah. And I, I then started to negotiate really great opportunities. And I was negotiating like six figure job opportunities, like director level job opportunities, while I was also realizing I was going to have to go home to take Mm. care of my family. So Mm-hmm. I was choosing between these two things. And for me internally, people always come first, family comes first, I can figure out how to make money afterwards. Absolutely. And so I left, I quit my job, I moved countries, went back to the Bahamas, took care of my dad, he lived for about a year. And it was that in and of itself was a whole nother can of worms and dealing with that process and family infighting that I'll leave for another day. Yes. But <laughs> the, um, The, the thing that I then <laughs> learned was I needed a career to fit my life situation. yeah. It wasn't just about success. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about making money. It was about earning money in a way that suited my life and my needs at the time. And that meant I wanted to work from anywhere career that would allow me to earn more. And I started to help people with career coaching because I had been doing career coaching on the side all along. People Yeah. were coming up to me and saying like, hey, you're super young. How are you advancing so quickly within this company? Mm How hmm are you getting these opportunities? How are people seeing you? Like explain to me how you Yeah. got here. And so I'd start helping them revamp their resumes and their cover letters, start selling themselves better. And some of them were coming to me and I could see they were just as stuck and feeling as frustrated with toxic work environments. Mm. And the way I was able to enter Canada was my parents, they didn't have access to university education. My mom had to repeat high school, like a portion of high school because of her caregiving responsibilities for her five younger siblings. My dad, the island he grew up on did not go up to grade 12. So he did not have access to that Wow. education. And they had built out a million dollar business, like million dollars in assets. And Wow. they had done that from, self-education from listening to people's needs from solving problems and they had taught my younger brother and I how to do that and so I started saying hey you know I I did study business I you know I studied a bunch of different things Yeah. but I love reading about business do you want me to show you I think you have a lot of skills I think you could just break out on your own and start your own thing And then people started having success in that. And initially people were paying me with gift cards. And this had to do with my own self-doubt and issue with accepting money, Mm-hmm. right? Um, Yeah. and eventually one day I wanted to buy groceries and I was kind of annoyed. I had to take money out of my bank account. And I had all these gift cards just sitting on a desk. And I was like, why didn't I just accept money for this? Why didn't Yeah. I... Mm. And I had to question that. So when I was in this place where I now needed to find a way to help pay for medical expenses for my dad, I was like, okay, let me do career coaching. Let me help people. Yeah. And initially, of course, I wasn't charging my value. I was way undercharging. People were tipping me and giving me extra money because they were saying, you're not charging enough. People sat Mm me down and said, you should build a career out of this. You're really good at it. And then they would give me more money than I asked them to because I wasn't charging. hmm. Yeah. enough 
especially based on people were making like 20, $30,000 more. And that was in the beginning. And now like last, last week I had a client sign um, a contract where she went from making $70,000 USD to a, a, her signing contract. The base salary before her commission started at 160,000. Good night. Yeah. It, yeah her first year. <laughs> It goes up to 190,000 by year three. And with commissions, like that's before she hits any of her performance targets. Yeah. When she hits performance targets, it goes from 240 to, to 580,000. Good night. She was making $70,000 in total before. Yeah, you definitely. <laughs> well, you, like, you have like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like you're sitting here saying you did it yourself. You have enough people that you have you have enough like case studies basically that show that what you're show what you're doing and what you're teaching people is working but again here we are like you said you're struggling with your own self-doubt of saying like ah, should i just give them this information should i just you know should i pay let them pay like there's this thing where that there's plenty of times I've talked to plenty of women who they're doing this thing. They've helped like five or 10 people. And you're saying, well, how much are you charging? Oh, I told them they didn't have to pay me anything. You know, just give me a love offering. And that's cool until your bills need to be paid. And then you realize I helped. And again, you're watching these people flourish and you're over here like, now, why aren't I making any money? You know, so was that the changing point for you for you to say, OK, no, I need to start charging what I'm worth. I wish. I wish that <laughs> I wish that was I could, Felicia. Well, I told you keep it real. So okay. <laughs> well what I then realized I did start making more money. So I after my dad died, I spent um about nine months just I I I came back to Canada and I I took a break. Mm. I got offered job opportunities i i slept on my friend's couch and at one point i was applying for jobs and i got access to this like six-figure job offer and i told her like listen i'm not gonna do the job and she's like you know you're sleeping on my couch right and i'm like yeah yeah i do know this and i'm like and you know this job offer is more money than i make and i'm like yeah i know that too i know how much money you make and she and, uh, and she's like Okay, I need you, I've I've not questioned anything so far, but I need you to explain this to me. And I was at a point where I guess because of all the additional family stuff that mm -hmm. had went on, because I had been fighting my way the entire time I was in Canada. Yeah. Because my dad had just died and that had a bunch of family infighting that went around it. Mm -hmm. I was beyond exhausted yeah and i needed to take a break and to go back into another corporate environment where i was then going to i was like i don't think i don't know how i'm going to come out of it like yeah. mentally i don't know where i will and so i was like I, I i had savings i was like i will use some of my savings i will pay for my food whatever but i just need a place to chill and then i after about nine months i took some time i recovered i went to therapy i did all the things mm -hmm. and then I decided, okay, I'm going to go and start this business. I'm going to do career coaching and business coaching. This is always what I've wanted to do. And I always wanted to help people. I love this. This is where I get energy. I'm helping people break free and create something new for themselves. And my one of my first big clients ended up being like this Netflix actor who found me. His name's uh, Jay Hasune. And he is on this show called shadow hunters, which was like a Disney Netflix thing. Mm -hmm. And he reached out to me and I helped him build out this platform for his Patreon, where he'd be able to make money through his music and make, create like an independent career. Mm -hmm. And I started then helping people like get results. They were making yeah. money. They were making their money back after working with me. And I I also started to have more obstacles. Like during COVID, I got this really amazing contract. But at the same time, my brother, one of my older brothers died from COVID. Mm. And um, I had had this history of really good professional things happening and really traumatic personal, personal things, things happening. happening. Yeah. And I had internalized a belief that if I make too much money, I'm going to harm people because Ooh. something bad is going to happen. Oh man. Yeah. That is a, that's a heavy thing to carry around. Right. 
It is. It is. And I had to first name that belief along with a bunch of other beliefs that I am going to be a burden, that if I make too much money, that I'm a bad capitalist and I'm going to be harming people. As someone who, because my family was a first generation of wealth, I went to predominantly white schools, which is why I don't have a strong Bahamian accent. And on top of that supervisor, like, right. Funny, but not funny, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's oh, not forget so, about that. <laughs> oh, so I, I had to um, deal with all of these beliefs that I had around making money. Mm -hmm. And then as I started working with women of color, like I had this client um, I worked with about two years ago, Brittany Campbell, she was working in a daycare and she wanted to move countries and start work from anywhere business. And she loved writing and she would have loved to work in the publishing, publishing industry, but she never thought it was possible. Um, she never saw herself making beyond like $30 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But with Within our first six months working together, she negotiated contracts for over $100 an hour. And within 18 months, she landed over 50 clients. Nice. She, she was working from, she'd moved countries with her partner. Um, and she was living that work from anywhere career that she really desired. Yeah. But she had no idea what, where she was at when she started. And as we were doing that, and we were going to, I'm going to, she's opened up to be like one of the case studies that I talk about because there were a lot of internalizing debilitating fears around getting on a sales call around. Mm. I'm going to be pushy. Nobody's going to want to hear from me. Mm -hmm. Instead of seeing what you do as a service, you are helping somebody achieve a goal. You are helping to solve a problem for them. So many of us think about those pushy salespeople when we go in and we're trying to sell ourselves instead yeah. of thinking about when we go into our favorite restaurant and we're handed a menu, that menu is a list of products that company is selling. Mm -hmm. And you are very, very happy to buy. If that waiter took too long, you would be pissed. You'd be right. angry. Like, why, why are you taking so long? <laughs> I want to give you my money. Why right. are you taking so long? <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. But we never think of it that way. We think of that we're harming somebody by offering to help them because we think of all the times that we hate being sold to and never think about the times that we enjoy being sold to or mm. the time that we buy those things that we love buying that we really enjoy having in our lives. And I help people make those shifts. But part of that, part of that, especially for people of color, women of color, is this idea that our labor, we should we should help people because we're loving and caring people. Yeah. We ask for money, then we're too cold hearted. We're not giving back to our community. Mm -hmm. For me in particular, as I was navigating worlds, I was in my parents, again, as I said, they did have wealth. And so I was now learning, they lost their wealth as well. First generation of wealth also always lose. I did not yeah. get any inherit. I walked away with nothing. It was mm. just helping out my family. But I walked away with all of the opportunities that they had given me access to. Access yeah. to. And then it was, how do you build on that? How do you respect that and honor that work that generations before you put into helping you get to where you are? Yeah. And then yeah. You, you're trying to move forward with that. But you have all of these beliefs that your work is not worthwhile, that if you become too wealthy, well, then you can't just chill with your girls and talk about how broke we all are. Right. You're not broke anymore. Yeah. So it they're going to ostracize you. Ooh, that's that, that's that fear of success, right? Because when you get into a certain space, you no longer, I had, like you said, your, 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 mindset can't be the same you can't think the same way you can't hang with the same people you can't do the same things you don't have the same complaints right because that's no longer your life and most people are so afraid of who they're going to lose if they go into that next level that they just like i'm all right right here let me just stay comfortably because there's so many of us who are in that space right who are doing just enough who are at the bare minimum who are Okay, right here, you know, it's contentment, but also like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to push the envelope any further because I don't know what's going to come of that. And then when people hear it, like there's so many people that are like, that I've talked to that are like, you know, when you say fear success, some people are like, I mean, what, what, why, why would you be a fear, afraid of being successful? And I'm like, do you really know 
what you can handle if you get every single thing that you ask for. If you if you literally everything that you pray for, if God says, yes, yes, you can have that. Yes, you can do that. Yes, yes, I'm going to give you this amount of money. Yes, I'm going to, you know, bless your business, bless your family, bless your, like, and, and you have it, then you're like, you know, I don't, I don't even really think I want all of it. Right. So let me just downplay. That's how we end up downplaying and we sabotage ourselves by saying, yeah, so I don't get to that part. Uh, let me just keep, you know, my offerings low. Right. But then also you're thinking when your offerings are low, you're only, you're only reaching a certain number of people. You hit the nail on the head. You're only reaching <laughs> a certain number of people. You're you're limiting your potential because so many people, especially women of color, we give back to our communities. The, mm -hmm. the research shows when you give women of color access to resources and tools, they don't just lift themselves, they lift yes. their communities. Yes. And when you put yourself in that cycle of poverty, like a vow of poverty, a vow of living paycheck to paycheck, mm. you are then in disabling yourself. From being, that is a being word. able to help people. Yeah, that right there, that is that is such a, there's a word right there that we, and sometimes it's not a, it's not a, you don't even realize that you are taking a vow to stay in poverty. You don't even realize that you're taking a vow to just be right at the middle. Like you don't, you don't even, you say it, you're saying it, but your actions, even for those people who are hearing this and you're like, I, I would, who wants to be poor? Nobody wants that. I don't want to ever be living in poverty. I don't ever want to have that mindset. But if your actions are showing that you don't believe that you can have success, if your actions are showing that you don't believe that you deserve the six figure job, if your actions are showing that you don't believe that you're worthy of the things that you could, like you said, living beneath your potential you're basically staying in a poverty mindset. It is not just about money and it's not just about poor people. Like that's, you know, that is the, the, the difficulty that sometimes people have. They take a certain word and they associate it with a certain group of people. But you've heard plenty of times, poverty is a mindset. Yeah. It's not about money. It's a mindset that has been entrenched in us through mm -hmm. systemic oppression, mm -hmm. through years of slavery, through years of being told that your your work, your labor, your body is not valued. Yeah. And it's not yours. It's not, you don't deserve to control that value. And the truth is the person who makes $100,000 a month made different decisions on a daily basis than you did yesterday. Yeah, come on. That you did today. <laughs> You just smack somebody across the face with that, Jay. <laughs> it's true. And we need to realize that these issues that we have around how we view money, they're not just our own. It comes from generations. Yeah, right. Trauma. But this is why it's so issues. important to have these conversations, right? Which is why, you know, offline, she was asking, well, how much can I share? What do you want me to be? And I'm like, no, this is a safe and brave space, right? Like, I want you to be able to tell the truth because when you tell the whole truth, there's literally somebody else who's listening right now who's like, oh my gosh, that is my story. That's the situation I'm in right now. And they don't even have the words for it, right? They don't have the words for what it is. Just like when we're going through, we don't, we have no idea what it's called until we're out of it, right? But we have to go through it. And then these conversations that are happening are able so that people can see like, okay, so if she could get out. It is a, it is very possible that I can get out of this space that I'm in, right? It's very possible that I can make it and I can be bigger than my circumstances. I don't have to settle for just this. I don't have to, you know, um, just be, live my life this one way. I think that's a, that's the thing. Again, remember I said you can, you can do both B O A F. Okay. You can do both. So let's talk about really quickly the happy career formula. What can people get from that? What and you've, you talked a lot about it already here, like different steps that they can do. Um, but if someone were to work with you, what would they get from working with you? So I offer a quiz podcast and coaching to help you find what you love to do and sell yourself, whether their dream gig is a job, freelancer, or business. So as I said, I had 90 days to build a career business or leave the country. And I use the same process that I use to learn how to sell myself that I then expanded to help entrepreneurs like Brittany, who landed her first 50 clients 
build careers that fit your life and your life goals. Yeah. So there's seven, there are three courses that I offer that I mm -hmm. sell as the bundle. One is finding what you love to do, which helps you test an idea. So test and validate it because the number one reason businesses fail within the first five years is an untested and an unvalidated idea. Yeah. The number one reason I find job searchers struggle is the exact same reason. They're trying to sell themselves and they don't actually know what employers are looking to pay for. Yeah. So if you don't know if anybody will pay, how can you sell yourself to do that? So I help people sell themselves in 90 seconds or less and create a one second pitch that people can believe and see how you can help. Then I give you two pathways. Once you have that validated idea, you can either sell it to one client and land a job, or you can sell it to um, multiple clients and create a business or a freelance service. Mm. And so I offer two paths. One where is you apply the exact same principles. So I've had people where I've been in career coaching with them and then they use the tools I taught them in career coaching to start a business. Yeah. And then I've had people who I've done business coaching with who, who've used the tools to go and land a freelance job so they could stabilize their income while they're um, building out their business. Mm -hmm. And I walk you through a seven step process that walks you from no idea. You know, that point where you're lost and you're like, I don't know what I want to do. Yes, I don't know what yes. the next step should be. <laughs> where am I then, going? <laughs> exactly. Where am I going to do? Then you have an idea. You're like, Oh, I really like this field. It interests me, but I don't actually know what I'll sell or the terms of my contract. Mm -hmm. So phase three is you'll create an offer. That's the terms of your contract, your product your service or your job contract. And then you need to sell yourself, get your first clients. That's phase four, first clients. Then once you have those clients, you need to make sure that they get results and they're happy. So they're ready to give you referrals. So that's phase five results. Okay. Then we'll go into phase six is building out systems. Once you know those clients are happy, you can start to replicate that process and fine tune it and improve it. And you can, even for a job, for those, for people who are in jobs, the biggest risk with the job is when you lose that job, you lose all of your income. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. When you have a business, you have multiple clients, you lose one client, you don't lose all of your money. That's correct. So when you are in a job, I help you set up systems. So you have employers coming to you on LinkedIn so that they are reaching out to you. So you're not just waiting until the next time you need a job mm. and they teach you these systems. And then once you find tune those systems, you know, they're working, then we just go and expand. And then we start increasing the amount of money that you're making. And I've had clients get like four promotions over four years. Like you're getting a promotion every year because you know, the problems that you were solving within a company, you're shifting from saying, Hey, here's a, a resume. That's a history of my tasks. This is what I used to do in the past. Tell me what I can do. Cause then that's letting the employer dictate your value. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're shifting to say, okay, this is the exact problem that I can solve your company. I know how much is this problem is valued by your company. This is what I want to receive in return. This is the benefits, the flexibility. And then you can shift to doing that to individuals or to an employer and you can negotiate your value and you can create a career that works for you. And the beauty of it is I don't believe in never ending coaching sessions. I believe people should get results and walk away with skills they can use for the rest of their lives. So mm -hmm. they can use this process over and over again, each time they need to redesign their career. What yeah. I want now is going to be different from what I want when I have, I don't know, two kids and a husband or a partner and a family and a dynamic look, you based it's on your life situation, <laughs> it's different. you're going to yeah. need something different. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that it's really broken down into something that is um, attainable, right? Because I think that lots of times you see stuff like, oh, watch me make you go from zero to 100. And then you're like, okay. And but you're, there's these things that the steps that are missing, right? These steps that like I not only did I, I did it and I can show you that I did do it. Like you said, like I can show you all the other people who've done the same thing and then they've done it, too. So I have the proof that it works. But then also that it's not just about me creating something for you. What do you want? Like you're putting them into it. Right. Which I think is a lot of the biggest things because I could teach you how to do something and you just replicate it. But what is it that you want, right? Like, what do you want exactly. to do? And then how do we individualize and personalize that? And that's what it sounds like that you're doing for that person. Like, it's not just me saying like, y'all can't see this paper, but you know, like, here's this course, do it and then come back and tell me how great I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's like, okay, Jet, what do you want? What is it that you're looking to do? How can we model this for you so that you're able to, like you said, when Jet is 50 and if Jet wants to change her career path, like, what does that look like? Oh, hey, I can go back to this 
And I'm able to take this and make some changes because now, like you said, we evolve. And so it's going to look different depending on where we are. So I love that. I love that, Chet. This was awesome. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story. I want to thank you for sharing. Your energy is so like, you have a beautiful smile. Like your energy is so, I told you, that's all we needed. We needed some energy. You kept it up. You know, it's a little late here, but I don't know what time it is there. But, you know, we we, we got it going. So how can people connect with you if they are ready to start their journey to their happy career? Whether it is, uh, oh, I was going to say the other thing I love about this, what you're doing is that it's not it's not just one thing right it's not just you know an entrepreneur or just a nine to five or just the like you're able to say like this works in multiple different ways depending on how you want to so i love that so if someone wants gig work freelance work uh entrepreneur or a career uh how can they work with you where can they find you you can find me on jetstubs.com. So that's J-E-T-T-E-S-T-U-B-B-S.com. And I have a quiz that helps you identify which one of these seven stages that you're in. And it gives you uh, a path to a career makeover. So you can design a career to fit your goals. And I, I walk through these steps in greater depth based on where you're at. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much, Jet. I truly appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me and like keep on helping women slay self-doubt. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. All right, y'all, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Remember to head over to Facebook and Instagram and follow me at Slaying Self-Doubt. Oh, wait, don't forget, go to my YouTube channel and watch this episode and remember to press the subscribe button. Until next week, see ya.